unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message and give guidance tonight. Lord, may we say the things that you would want us to say and to be able to get the truth across clearly and that your Holy Spirit will work in our hearts as we deal with this subject tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want us to look at some things here. We see we see three different <clears throat> we see three different men, and uh, the first two. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the first one and the third one, if you will, are what we would call volunteers. These men uh, did not wait for God to call them, but they just stepped up and said, "Lord, we will follow Thee." And I want us to notice this because I think a lot of times in our Christian lives <coughs> there is certainly a willingness to follow God. And one of the fears that I think I have in, in uh, teaching, in preaching Scripture, is I don't ever want to lead people to the idea or the thought that if God does not put a call on your life, a specific and a distinct call on your life, that He thinks you're a second-class Christian. Uh, that is not the case. I want you to notice that all three of these men are willing to serve Christ, two of them volunteered. There's nothing wrong with that. Somebody said years ago when I was in college uh, to some young men that had graduated years before and were just kind of hanging around the area working regular jobs and just waiting, and they, they would tell you, I'm called to preach, I'm called to pastor, or I'm called to be a missionary. And it was amazing how many times I heard them say, I'm just waiting for God to show me where he wants me. And so a lot of that was going on, and one of the teachers or staff men, one of the guys that was in a leadership position in the college, made a statement one time, and he said, you need to bloom where you're planted, wherever God decides to put you. You know, Psalm 1 talks about the fact that a blessed man is going to have a certain testimony in verses 1 and 2, but he goes on to say in the middle of the chapter that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and uses the word planted. This isn't a tree that's been put there by chance. It didn't come on the wind and just happen to fall by the wayside and land by the rivers of water and just happen to take root. But this tree was put there. And the whole idea and concept of the word planted means that there was some plan in, in mind for this tree. There was a reason. There was a purpose that it was put there. And while we may not uh, in our lifetime get what we would refer to as a distinct call. And I've met some men that have. I've met some men who are as certain as I'm standing here tonight. It was almost as if a voice from heaven said, here's what I want you to do. They were that certain of a calling that God had put on their life. But I've met other Christians who said, I've never experienced anything like that. I've just gone out here and rolled my sleeves up and saw there was work to be done and did what, what I felt like I could do and volunteered for the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, both are needed. And there's nothing wrong with either one of them. Uh, certainly, we've all been given a great commission. We know that. We're all to be going out and preaching the gospel to every creature. We're supposed to be making uh, or seeing people saved and then making disciples of them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever God had commanded his disciples to teach them. 
And so we're supposed to be doing that. But I find here that these two men, the first ones and the last one, uh, volunteer. Now, only one of them has a distinct calling on his life. And it's interesting because in the first one and the last one, when we see that they are willing to follow God, you don't find a specific area that they want to follow God in. But if you'll look with me in verse number 60, Jesus uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jesus said unto him, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up a minute. I'm one verse ahead of me. Um, let's go to verse number 59. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou. And so here is a distinct set of instructions. This man is the one that God came to and said, follow me. And he's going to give him a distinct set of instructions. He says, go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And uh, so there are times that God calls people. Can I say this? Whether he calls or whether we volunteer, God has a plan for every single one of us. God has a unique path that he's laid out before us. In fact, the book of Hebrews refers to it as running with patience the race that is set before us. There is a distinct race that God has for each and every one of us. And mine's going to be different than yours. Mine may be longer than yours. Mine may be shorter than yours. Mine may be easier than yours, or yours may be uh, easier than mine. Uh, there are some courses that bring a lot of uh, recognition in life, in this life. There are some that you don't get any recognition. There are some that cause you and allow you to be, from a human perspective, very prosperous. There are other paths that cause you to live in poverty during this life. And they're very distinct. And can I say this about the path that God has for you and the, God, and the path that God has for me? Every one of them is custom-made. God knows you. And He makes a path. He makes a plan for you. So whether you volunteer or whether you are called specifically to do a particular task for the Lord Jesus Christ, can I say this? We need to be willing to follow God. Now, there's a problem with these three guys, and we've looked at them before. All three of them come to the Lord, or he calls one of them at least, and they all three say, Lord, I will follow thee. So when we look at this on the surface, uh, it's easy and quick for us to get to a point of criticism and say, boy, these three fellows, man, they were just slouchers. These guys were uh, second-rate Christians. I mean, who in the world would... To, to Christ himself. I mean, here he is in human form standing right in front of them. And uh, they go up to him and they say, Lord, we'll follow you, but I've got some things I need to do first. And I think it's easy for us to become overly critical and say, well, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, I just can't believe anybody would look Christ himself in the eyes and say, I'll follow you, but I've got some other things that are of a higher priority. And we have that natural tendency, don't we? looking back in history, looking back at the story in, in Scripture. But the truth of the matter is, Christ still comes to us, doesn't he? Christ still has a plan for each of us. And men and women are still saying, Lord, I will follow thee, but... And then they give an excuse. And we seem to have that uh, epidemic, it seems like, in the day that we live today. And the problem is not an unwillingness to serve. These are not rebellious men. These are men 
that are not coming to Christ and when he says, hey, I need you to do this, that, that are saying, no, I'm not going to. They're, they're not rebellious. These are not the stiff-necked people the Bible refers to. These are not the people who are what the Bible refers to as committing high-handed sins, rebellious sins, directly in the face of God, shaking a fist at God and saying, I refuse to follow you. These are people that if you met them on the street, if you ever had a chance to talk to them, they would talk so much about their love for God and the fact that they were willing to follow God. There was not a lack of willingness to follow God. The problem we had here in this chapter, in this passage, is there was a lack of willingness to follow God first. And we've said that statement two or three times in this church over the last several years. But can I tell you this, that that continues to be an ongoing problem in the Christian life. It's, it's interesting to me that there are things that I know from Scripture. There are principles and there are truths that I hold very dear and I look at and I say, boy, I know that. And yet there are times that even though I know the principle, and even though it's, it's even a principle that I look at and I cherish and I hold to, there are still times that for whatever reason I will ignore that truth and do something out of character according to it. And it's interesting to me that in those moments, it seems that I am in my heart of hearts saying, Lord, I will follow Thee. I will obey Your Word. I'll, I'll, I'll get, I, this principle will be a part of my life. But there's some areas it can't be. Or not this time. Uh, I'll follow Thee, but before I do, before I make this principle ingrained in my life, there are some things I need to deal with first, personally. And so our willingness a lot of times, and, and we can become critical of these guys, but the truth is we need to look at our own hearts because the truth is all of us seem to battle this. And I'm not just saying here in Keith Ice Baptist Church. I'm talking about every Christian I've ever met has had a battle with this. That it's not usually a will. It, there's very few Christians I've met that name the name of Christ, say I'm born and grown Christian, I believe Christ, I put my faith in trust. I've met very few of them that ever, ever get to the point of being rebellious toward God. They all are willing. The problem is they just get tied up and enamored with other things. They get distracted by the cares of this world. And uh, they begin to, uh, the Bible says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. And yet we get entangled with the cares of this life, don't we? Um being set free from the law, how often we were talking about this morning, being set free from the law of sin and death, how often we come back under its captive, its captive uh, uh, rule and law in our life. How often we, we go back into the condemnation that we've been delivered from. Not because we're rebellious or we're mean-spirited, but because we simply are not willing to follow Christ first. Now, there's five areas I've given in the past. I'm just, by way of remembrance, I'm going to give them to you tonight very quickly. Five areas that I believe uh, we need to be willing not just to give God a place, but to give Him first place in. By the way, He has every right to demand first place in our life, doesn't He? By way of the fact that He created us, that alone tells us He has every right to say, I want all of you. That's his authority. That's his stand of authority. That, that's his claim to uh, ownership over us. He made us. 
Not only did He make us, but He redeemed us, didn't He? If we've been saved tonight, we've trusted Christ as our Savior, He bought us back. And so multiple reasons we could go into tonight why God has every right to say, I don't want just a place in your life, I want the place in your life. I want first place in your life. But there's five areas, and uh, it's, these are not original with me. I wish I could claim them because it's a very clever acrostic. But I came across this years ago. Uh, a fellow by the name of Frank Hamrick was the first guy I heard it from. And uh, he made this, the, the, this acrostic, and I thought, boy, that's a very good acrostic of areas that we need to give Christ. And we're going to use this phrase tonight, first claim, uh, the first place. Okay, We're going to use the word claim because that's the acrostic we're going to use this evening. All right, so help us with that. So the first area that we need to give Christ first claim in is the area of our calendars. Our calendars. What are we doing with our time? The things that we uh, hold dear, that we prioritize. I found this over the years that I always find the time to do what I want to do. Can you, can you follow with me on that? Anybody been there? Uh, I don't care how busy you get, when there's something you want to do, you find the time. On the opposite side of that coin... When there's something you really don't want to do, guess what? We find ways that we don't have time to do it, right? Somebody pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, uh, I, I would like for you, if you would, to, can you help me with this? Boy, I don't know. Let me, let me check my calendar. And, uh, you know, it might be something we don't want to do. And uh, we look at it both ways. But can I tell you this? With that being said, that we find ways to do what we want to do. We find the time. But we also find ways that we don't have the time to do things we don't want to do. So with that being said, when it comes to the things of the Lord, do we ever say, I, I just don't have the time? And that's where we get to the point of, does he have first claim? Does he have the first priority? Everything else takes a back seat to the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to my time. The second one is the letter L, and that's our life's calling or our life's work, if you will. Does he have the right to tell us what he wants us to do with our life? Does God have that right? Sure he does. Absolutely he does. I worked with a lot of young people for a lot of years, and one of the things that I think we failed on over the years in teaching young people is we, we teach in our, our, our conferences and our youth activities many times, uh, you need to come and surrender to whatever God wants for your life. Be willing to do whatever God wants for your life. And young people come to the altar, and they'd make that commitment. Lord, whatever you want with my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem with doing that is then they get up, and they go back to their seats, and they say, okay, I've made the commitment. Now, I enjoy doing these things over here, and so I'm going to head that way with my life's calling. I enjoy uh, business, or I enjoy, uh, uh, maybe I enjoy being a garbage collector, I don't, whatever the case is. Uh, and I'm going to head that way. I'm going to study that in college because God hasn't yet shown me. Now, I'm willing, I'm willing to go wherever God wants me to go, but he just hasn't shown me yet where he's wanting me to go. And so we train, and we send young people off to um, the Army or the Marines, perhaps. Nothing wrong with that. But we train them sometimes. We teach or we let them go and they get trained for an area that they have an interest in, all the while being willing and waiting for God to show them what they want 
He wants them to do with their lives. And I think sometimes we, we do them a disservice in that area because here's the problem with that. There are times, as we mentioned before, that God puts a distinct call on your life to do a specific thing for him. Other times, it's just a general set of rules and, and commands he's given from Scripture, and there's never a distinct or direct call for a specific area of your life. And a lot of young people will, at some point in their life, whether they ever say it in these words or think it this way, a lot of young people will think, boy, when I was a teenager, I committed to do whatever God wanted me to do with my life, and he hasn't shown me yet. God must think me a second-rate Christian that he did not use me. And I've seen, I've seen young people that got this. I've seen young men come and surrender to be a preacher if that's what God wanted them to do. And later on down in life, they didn't have that, that, that call upon their life. They didn't have that direction in their life. And, and there's one young man I can think of tonight, very dear friend of mine, that won't set foot inside of a church now because he got bitter at the fact that God, God never put something distinct upon him. And he didn't get to this place where he realized Man, I can serve God where I'm planted. So when it comes to our life's calling, what do we do? Well, I think what we ought to be doing with our young people especially is saying, you know what, if, if you've made that decision for the Lord, then let's do this. Let's do this. Let's begin preparing you for whatever God's work He wants you to do. And then, if He distinctively tells you, no, I don't want you in a pastor position or a, a missionary position or Christian school teacher position, I want you in business. Now, that young person can go into business knowing exactly and with great joy, knowing that's exactly what God wants them to do with their life. Because not only did they give him their willing heart, they said, I'm even going to move that direction. I'm going, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the first choice, and I'm going to prepare as though you're going to use me for ministry. And then, God, if you want me somewhere else, that's where you can put me. That's giving him first place. And uh, so I think we need to be giving him first claim in the area of our calendar, our time, our life's uh, calling. Uh, the next one is our affections, our affections, the letter A. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Colossians that we're to set our affections on things above. In fact, it doesn't even say affections, plural. It says affection, singular. Set your affection. What is it? The, the, the driving uh, desire of our hearts. Set them on things above, not on things on this earth. The idea that we are to um, cause the desires of our heart to lean towards the things of the Lord first doesn't mean that there's a problem with enjoying. I, I enjoy flying airplanes, uh, Brother Larry. You get him talking about driving trucks, and I mean we'll go, we'll sit here for two hours talking about driving trucks. He enjoyed that. Uh, Brother Harold likes uh, German shepherds and security dogs, and uh, Brother Keith likes motel clerking. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, George likes uh, uh, barbecue, and he brought me some barbecue this afternoon. Uh, Brother Norm likes working on small engine repairs and uh, things like this, and and that's fine. It's okay to have some of, some things that God allows us to do, but but do they take first place in our life, or do we let God have first place in our affections, the things that we love the most, the things that we hold most dear in our life? Do they pertain to the things of the Lord or do they pertain to these things that we enjoy in life? And so we ought to set our affections uh, on things above, not on things of the earth. The next one is I, and that's our income. And, of course, he ought to have first claim on that. We've taught on that recently, and uh, we haven't forgotten to do a series on it. We're, 
I uh, would like to go ahead and do it. I'm, I'm ready for it. And perhaps the Lord will give liberty to do that in the next few weeks here. But we've taught how the Bible teaches very clearly about grace giving or spirit-led giving, if you will. Some people call it grace giving. But the idea that when it comes to our income, how much of it belongs to the Lord? All of it. All of it. And we've been given stewardship of it. So it stands to reason and even is taught very clearly in Scripture that then we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, with what you've entrusted to me, what do you want me to do with it? And that's a dangerous, the reason we don't have a lot of teaching on that uh, from the pulpits anymore is that's a very scary thing because a lot of people um, will say, well, the Lord hasn't led me to give anything. (laughs) And they may be truthful in that, but they've not asked the Lord either. And when you don't ask the Lord, where do you want this to go? What do you want me to do with it? Then there's no leading, is there? And so a lot of pastors won't teach that from the pulpits or uh, have been taught other things from uh, pulpits because that's what everybody else is teaching from Scripture. A lot of pastors won't teach that from the pulpit because it's easier to say, well, you have to give 10%. And then everybody, you're pretty well locked in. You know there's going to be a certain amount of income there. But when we give the way the Holy Spirit tells us to give, what if he he tells us to give 50% of of our paycheck this week? Oh, Brother Greg, that would be rough. Well, yeah, but are we going to give him first place in our income? Does, does he have the right? If, if Christ came to us, if God, if the Holy Spirit put on your heart, I want you to give 100% of whatever income you get this week, would he have right to do that? Absolutely he would. Are there times that he does do that? There have been. Does he have first claim of your income? Now, there may be times he says, you know what? Uh, there's a need over here or something that's been brought up, and I've got other sources, other ways to deal with that, and he doesn't lay it on your heart to give in that area. And that's fine. But he needs to have first place, and we need to be sensitive in the area of our giving, whether it's our income or the resources he's entrusted to us in this life. They're his. They're not mine. And so when I give, I don't give because I have to. I give because I get to. It's a privilege. The Holy Spirit leads me and guides me and says, this is what I want you to give. And by the way, you'll find out usually (laughs) when you do it that way from a biblical perspective, you're probably going to get to the end of the year and look back and be like, boy, I've never given as much in my whole life. And whether it be monetary or just material things or even sometimes your time, the investment of whatever wisdom God's given you in this life. But always being sensitive to our income. And then the last one is our minds. Our minds. Somebody said one time that to a Christian, the sins of the mind are the most common sins among Christians. And it's because we don't think anybody sees them. And so I want to challenge you tonight. Let's not just be willing to serve God. It's easy for me as a pastor to get up in Keith Heist Baptist Church on a Sunday night. And boy, we could, we could leather lung it and we could get up here and give illustrations. I mean, we could just you know, blast it out from the pulpit. You need to be willing to serve God. You need to be willing to serve God. What I want to challenge you tonight is, beyond being willing, let's be willing to give Him first place, first claim in our life. Can we do that? Can we do that? 
If you look at all three of these young men, when God uh, shared with them some of the cost of following Him, they said, let me first. And that was their problem. And that's the problem really in the day that we live, isn't it? Even in Christians' hearts, that's our problem. We get in a me-first mentality. Lord, I'm willing, but let me first. I, I want to have first place here, not you. And uh, so I want to leave that thought with you. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word. And I pray that you'll use just these simple thoughts tonight. Lord, we could have expounded and gone a lot deeper into this tonight than what we have. But just by way of remembrance and reminding folks in the simplicity of this truth of not just being willing to serve you, but, Father, that we would be willing to serve you first, that we would give you first place in our life in all of these areas. And, by the way, if we look at all these areas that we spoke of tonight, Lord, we'll find that that pretty much entails all of our life, every aspect of it. And I pray that you would help us to not just... Uh, right now in a cute little acrostic tonight that helps us to remember these areas. But Lord, as we walk out of this building tonight, I pray that there would be a renewed zeal in our hearts, a renewed excitement and passion to not just be willing to serve you, but to willing to serve you first. To be willing to give you first place in every aspect of our life. That you would have first choice. And Lord, we're thankful for that tonight. I pray that you would... Uh, allow us to make those decisions as you would see fit. May your Holy Spirit go with us tonight and keep the thought and the message on our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, I hope that will be a help to you and a blessing to you. But we do have a couple things I need to deal with tonight. And uh, we're just going to uh, very quickly, the first one we'll talk about is uh, Miss Deneen and the issue there. I do need to update a little bit. Excuse me. There, uh, from this morning, I had heard this this morning from uh, a third-hand source, and just sometimes when you hear something, you want to be careful about sharing it until you know for certain. Uh, some circumstances came up with uh, Miss Deneen's son. I, without going into a lot of detail, Miss Deneen and and her uh, ex-husband are uh, they, they're separated. Obviously, there's not a, a lot of interaction between them. Um, the father has uh, come and um, uh, taken the body, uh, taken over the, the processing of the body, getting uh, taken care of, uh, getting him to the uh, funeral home and stuff like that. We're not certain at this point, but there is a chance that the father uh, will take care of the funeral costs. So as of this morning, I told Miss Deneen Wednesday when I talked to her and uh, again on Friday that we would mention it to the church, uh, we would at least take an offering, and I told her that would be the, the least thing. And so I wanted to bring it to the church for discussion uh, and see what the Lord maybe has laid on your heart. Um, there is a couple of uh, ways that we could go about some things. We could either take an offering. Miss Deneen could use the help regardless. Even if the funeral costs are being taken care of, there's some other uh, expenses that I'm sure they'll have in dealing with family coming in and being here and, and being a part of the, the memorial service and things like that, that I'm sure that uh, at least we could help her with some things. 
And so if we decide we want to do something as a church from our church budget or from our church accounts in addition to something else, um, that may be something that we want to look at and maybe say we want to make it contingent on whether the dad is paying for the funeral expense or not. Um, and uh, that we can assure Miss Deneen that one way or the other uh, we can be a help to the funeral expense. So that being said, I just wanted to clarify that, that there is, there is a possibility that the dad will uh, take care of the funeral expense. So uh, that being said, I'll try to answer any other questions if I know them. If not, I'll, I'll try to find them out. Uh, they're having him cremated, so I'm not sure. Uh, sometimes they will bury uh, the ashes. Sometimes they put them in an urn and keep them. I'm not sure what their process is. I do know as of Wednesday night there was not a burial plot, and I think that was part of the decision of, of doing the cremation. Like a mausoleum, right. Yeah, and some people do that. Some people put them, like, in their houses on the mantle, uh, things like that, and people have done that in the past too. Uh, so I'm not sure. I, I do know they do not have a burial plot. If it is uh, uh, a... Um, an urn, you know, they go through with the cremation. Uh, they had talked about putting him, uh, the grandmother has already been buried, and they talked about burying him with her. And so there's a possibility. There's an expense in that. Uh, I think they said $500 to open the grave up and and, and put it in there. So uh, I know that they've talked about that. I just don't know which direction they've gone on that. But uh, they do not own a separate plot just for him. So whatever they do, there's going to be some expense there unless they decide to keep the urn. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I do know that he came in and took, uh, took charge of the body and, and is making arrangements with him. But I'm not sure. Uh, I'm assuming they're dealing with everything locally. Whether he's out of town or not, I don't know. Okay? Anything else that I can answer? Okay. Uh, having, pardon me? She's not asked for anything specific. She didn't ask for, for financial aid. They, I was just at the house when the kids and her were talking about how they were going to afford to even do the funeral. And so I told her we'd bring it to the church and see if there's something we could do to help. Um, okay? So I, she's not asked for anything specifically. I know some of the ladies are working on getting some food together, I think. Uh, we've got that taken care of for, I think, some today went over, perhaps, I, if I remember right, and maybe some tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. So I know they're dealing with some food. If, if you're interested in helping with that, I think Miss Linda Crump is kind of heading that up. Am I right on that? So if you want to get a hold of her, I think she's kind of, and maybe Miss Sandy could help answer a few questions more about that than I could. Uh, but uh, I don't think they're going to be doing a reception here at the church. If we do anything, we'll probably send meals home. I know Linda Craig had mentioned it would be easier on the family if we sent food to their place and let them just be as a family uh, if we're going to do anything like that. Okay. Any other questions? All right, then uh, let's look at it this way. Are there any folks that have prayed about it and feel like there's something one way or the other direction-wise we ought to go? Uh, again, knowing now a little bit more of the details, what's available out there. Brother Larry? 
Okay. 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 All right. That's a possibility. We can take an offering now. Go ahead and get it to Miss Deneen and start helping with some things right away, and uh, then relook at it Wednesday night if there's an additional need. And that may, that may be all she needs. Maybe she just needs something for this week. Okay. Any other thoughts or discussion about that? All right. Okay, I don't know that we need to take a church vote on taking up an offering, so um, uh, other than are we in agreement that that will be sufficing and then we'll look at it again on Wednesday night, would you just, if you're in agreement with doing it that way, would you just make it known by raising your hand? And anybody got another idea other than that that you think is better? Okay. Okay, and, and I know we are. A lot of our people have come that way. All right, if we're going to do it that way, if you're going to make a check out, uh, we'll go ahead and take an offering tonight and then we'll look at it again Wednesday um, and I'll, I'll have a few more of those answers for you, Ms. Lawrence, uh, hopefully, uh, by Wednesday. Again, there's been some changes even as of today that, uh, I'm trying to get the information together for you. Uh, so, uh, let's take an offering then tonight. If you're going to make a check out, make it out to, and I don't know Miss Deneen's last name. Do I have her last name? I know, I, I should know it and I don't. Is it, what is it? McKinney. Okay, McKinney, yeah. And I'm, uh. See, okay. So, uh, and I don't know how in the world to spell the name. Does anybody know how to spell it? I thought I might have it. D E D E Okay. D-E-N-E-E-N, so all E's, D-E-N-E-E-N, okay? All right, then let's do that. Let's go ahead and take the offering. Brother Larry, if you'll go on, come on forward, and let's have a word of prayer for it. And then after the offering, we'll deal with uh, our time decision and go from there and be done for the 